So how did we get here on the nonpartisan evangelical? Ashley and I will talk about it next. All right, welcome to this edition of the Nonpartisan Evangelical, the Paul and Ashley podcast. Hi, Ashley. Hello. We're sitting across the table from one another, and we're going to do this some and just kind of share our lives, and this is on the NPE podcast side, but a lot of this we'll do with our Patreon community. So here we are. So I am excited about sitting here with you because I'm going to interview you today. Oh, wow. And um, as a longtime person in the media and then a pastor for 10 years, you're used to having the talking stick. Yeah. And so... Um, so and you're used to being on the other side of exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so we're doing a little role reversal today. And um, I thought it would be interesting for folks to hear a little bit about your journey over the last two years. Yeah. Uh, if they're listening to the Nonpartisan Evangelical podcast or like following any of the stuff you're writing or blogging about, they probably have a sense of your personal journey over the last, say, 10, 15 years. Mm. But really, what is it that led you to leave the church that you helped to start and grow and fought hard to make that go? Uh, and then, in fact, it was a year ago, almost to the day, that we both knew that it was time for us to move to the next phase of life and start this new adventure. So mm-hmm. I thought we'd just kind of peer into the last couple of years. Um so let's pick up with, um, with I remember you sitting at the kitchen table, it's probably at this point three years ago, yeah. and you were pounding away on your iPad. And I'm like, this guy has got something coming out of him. And you were, you're like, I'm writing a book. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> Is that yes. the first time you heard about well, the book? I mean, it was probably actually a little, you know, it's probably four years ago. Yeah. And I knew that you had it in you to tell this story of, of like who Jesus is and what would happen if you were to show up in today's circumstances and like what would that look like? Um, so I saw you writing this book and maybe talk about what was bubbling up in you that led to writing the book and then launching the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. Mm. It's just been a, a case of me always wondering, this is how Jesus talked to the religious people when he was on earth in the Bible and what would his take be on the church today? If he showed up in Fresno, what would his take be on us? And I've always felt like his communication with the, the church of Fresno and the American Evangelical Church would be fairly similar to what he did in the Bible, and uh, which was not very flattering. It was, hey, I would like for you guys to change and do something different. Um, and so as a leader of a church... I, I really tried to enunciate that and build a community of people who could look and see, hey, the church as we've all known it our whole life, I think God wants that to change and be a little different. And I, I found that very difficult. It's very hard to move people who have seen their church life be this particular way all their life. And so I, I, I think the simple answer, it was about a year ago today that we decided it was time to step out of that role of leadership of the church. Um, the simple answer, we knew it was time, but then as I've investigated that over the last year, it's clear to me that, that my purpose is to share this message that, Hey church, I think if Jesus showed up, he wouldn't say very flattering things about what we're doing and he would want us to change. And so maybe as 
not a leader of a church, which is not a very good grammatical sentence, but not being in that role gives me a freedom to to be more honest and say, hey, guys, kind of the way we've been doing things, I'm, I'm not wholly against it or saying you're bad. I'm saying we could do better. And so this this role as the nonpartisan evangelical, as the author of the book, Joseph Comes to Town, it gives me a chance to sort of enunciate what, so what would that different look like? How do we have that conversation? So, um, so one thing that we are all taught in society is there are several things that you do not talk about in polite company. <laughs> you know, you do not show up at someone's house that you're just getting to know and talk about politics. God knows you do not talk about religion. Yeah. And yet, um, those are the two things you, I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah. So you, you have woven those things together and maybe, um, explain a little bit about why you see those things so connected today, number one, and then number two, um, w- kind of what you want the church to be evaluating in this season. Like, mm. like you know, if you combine those two things, church and, and politics, like spend a little bit of time maybe encouraging, instructing the church on like on what you're seeing happening in the church that you think needs to change. Yeah, I, I actually think they're the two most important topics that we need to talk about more than any other in culture right now, because they've become so intertwined with one another, The particularly in the evangelical stream of Christendom that you and I grew up in. Politics is so much a part of what religion is. We've become a very partisan nationalistic, uh, you know, a whole bunch of things I think have become conflated between spiritual, biblical issues and sort of political issues. And in that, what I see is people are getting hurt, that that we're hurting people, that, that people are being ostracized from God, in essence, if we are representatives of God on earth as followers of Christ, and we're using or, or feeling led or compelled by our religion, which is heavily influenced by our politics, to become exclusive and divisive and creating a situation where there's us and others, and we feel justified to ostracize and marginalize others, then we're actually doing the opposite of what I think Jesus called us to do, which is to be servants, self-sacrificing, willing to lay down our stuff to connect God to people, and then let God work through his relationship with people. And so, I've just seen this partisan evangelicalism be so painful for so many people that I am at a place where like, I I can't not speak out around that today. So, you know, we go to a church, an amazing congregation that, you know, our Sunday mornings are not, we don't spend talking about like the week's current events or like any upcoming elections. And um, so I know when I look across the spectrum of churches in the evangelical world, I think probably a lot of churches would be like, yeah, you know, nonpartisan evangelical, like that's us. We're not really, you know, we don't talk about upcoming elections. We just stick to the Bible. And, you know, so um, so maybe um, talk a little bit about how how this um, how this attitude has really crept in in ways that maybe are not totally evident on the surface. And like you're really kind of challenging people to pause, check their hearts and see if it's in alignment with really what God is saying at this time. Um, maybe talk a little bit about how you see partisanship surfacing in churches that may not necessarily be thinking they're carrying that. Yeah. I asked the question on social media last week, is God really a Republican? Not one person 
came on my feed and said, yes, God's a Republican. (laughs) Nobody would say that. Oh, silly Paul. Nobody (laughs) thinks God is a Republican. That's exactly (laughs) the response I got from everybody. So I don't think any of us would say, yes, I believe God's a Republican. But then I asked, does he require his people to be? And again, nobody's going to say, yes, God requires me to be a Republican. But when you start to drill down in it, does is God upset with America because we don't have laws in line with evangelical social political beliefs? Again, and Pudgy, our dog, is joining the podcast. Hello, Pudgy. Um, Again, people won't overtly ever say, yes, I think God's mad at America for that. But there is an overarching belief system in evangelical circles that you and I have grown up in. And, I, and so I think even even our church, which doesn't overtly talk about it, it's just an overlay of this idea that, yes, God wants these particular issues, and let's just hit them, abortion, gay marriage, da-da-da-da-da, you go down the list. Those are so important to God that those have to be priorities. And so it brings this sort of overlaying mindset into the evangelical church that I want to challenge. I want, I want to say, is, is God really upset at America for us, our laws not being where American evangelicals think he wants them to be, and thus, do those issues usurp all others? So like, like I ask people, so when you vote, is abortion like the one issue that, that usurps all others, and therefore voting for an, a less competent uh, elected official or a potential elected official because he or she has the right stance on that issue is what God would have you do? I know this person may not be the best candidate, but they agree with me on these one or two really important issues, so I vote that way. That's when I say now, whether you, you may not overtly say God's a Republican, but you're you're basically saying, yes, I have to vote sort of these party lines because God wants me to, because these issues are so important. I don't know if I enunciated that well. Okay, but that's, so, it, so I see it's this this overarching thing that impacts Christians, even if they don't overtly yeah. say God's a Republican. Um, so it actually reminds me of two stories that yeah. uh, that if, if I can take the talking stick for a second, take I, the talking I, stick. I did pretty well to ask you like three questions, and now I'm like <laughs> grabbing it myself. So, um, so good question is God a Republican? And everyone probably that saw that was like, of course not. That's yeah. so ridiculous. Why would you even ask such a thing? Oh, Paul, you're so provocative. That's usually how these things go. Mm-hmm. Um, but then your second question. Uh, does he require you to be a Republican? That's the one to me that I know everyone kind of sits up in their chair if they're being honest and 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 says like on the evangelical right, like yeah, we all kind of think that we are obligated if we love God, we are obligated to be Republicans. So it's so it's interesting to me to have this conversation with center left people because they have no idea yeah. that this is what people on the right um, are thinking. Um, but I remember two times the first. 2008, running for mayor, never been involved in politics and running for a nonpartisan seat. But as a registered Republican, after the primary, sitting down, getting to know people in the local Republican Party, these were first conversations for me. I had not known these people prior to um, running for office. And I remember having a conversation with someone whose name will go unstated. Yeah. Um, Wonderful person. Totally loves God. I know that. Like, loves God, prays all the time and know that this person was coming from a good place. I remember thinking to myself, I I had bet I just had this sense that um, maybe I wasn't exactly a, like a cookie cutter Republican, and I needed to caution this person that I wasn't necessarily partisan. 
and um, that I didn't want to do anything. I'm really, they were offering to support my candidacy. I, that meant a lot to me. I didn't want to embarrass them in any way down the line. Right. Um, and I, their assumption was you're a Republican candidate. That so I was going to be party line. Party line, and these things are going to yeah. be really, really important to you. Right. So, uh, so I remember before accepting the endorsement, sitting down and saying, hey, I just want you to know, like, I might endorse a Democrat if I think he or she is the better person for the job. And like, I don't want to embarrass you guys. If, if me doing that would cause you any pain or embarrassment, then I will decline your endorsement. Just trying to be honorable about this whole thing. And Had forth, you already right? taken an endorsement from a, from a Democrat at that point? Um, no, this was just prior to that. Okay. But I did okay. ultimately end up with Mike Felines and Juan Arambula doing a joint endorsement right, right. and left um, just before the election. So it was prior to that. Uh, but it's funny you should mention that because it was Juan Arambula who I used as the example in this conversation. I said, like, take Juan Arambula. You know, he like I would support him anytime. I think he's pragmatic. He, I mean, I just think he's terrific the way he approaches things. So um, so that was the first I used for example. I'm thinking this is like, you know, kind of a no brainer. Of course, you pick the right person for the job and, yeah. you know, you evaluate it. It was a really hard conversation. The reaction that I got from this person um, was like, what? You would endorse a Democrat? What about abortion? That was exactly where the conversation yeah. went. And um, I, so it was like, I had just touched this like hot stove and I was like, oh, and I kind of pulled back from it. So fast forward and just a much quicker story in this one. Um, so in 2014, I endorsed a Democrat for a nonpartisan office uh, county supervisor, a person I had worked with at that point for six years. He was, I felt, right on several key issues that we really needed the county board to come along mm-hmm. with. So I endorsed him. Now, this man um, is a Baptist, and he professes Christ and loves God, but he is a Democrat. But he's a Democrat. And the crap you took, yeah. Paul Swearingen, the way your phone rang off the hook by people um, from the religious right who are so offended. And what did they say? He is a Democrat. We can't have a Democrat in office. And you said to this guy, one particular guy who was calling you to chew you out, you said, he's a Christian. And the guy stopped dead in his tracks. (gasps) Yeah. It was like, there's not even a consideration that you could be center left and also profess Christ and, you know, be God worshiping and God fearing. So, um, long way of saying... And I, and I said he happens to be the better of the two candidates. Yes. Um, which... Which ought to be a consideration yes. in voting. So, anyway, the, in, so these inquiries and concerns, etc., were coming from people of faith. Yeah. Like, genuinely not thinking that it was possible to cross the aisle and find other people of faith on the other side. Yeah. Which is so silly. We have really smart, wonderful, good-hearted friends who struggle to believe a Democrat can have good Christian values. Yeah. Or at least represent those as, as an elected official. Yeah. And that's, that's where we become exclusionary. And I don't, a part of what I'm trying to do is say, hey, Christians, I don't think you're aware. I don't think you're aware of how many people I'm meeting every day now who say, I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a board member. I went to church for my whole life. And more and more, I just found my, my values, my political views, they didn't fit. And now I just don't go anymore. And, and many of them are like, their, their heart is hurting because they miss a church community. They miss that ability to, to congregate with other people mindful of Christ. 
And I think those are the things that God gets really upset at us about. I, I think our messing up, he's like, nah, I, I, you're human. I'm totally aware of that. But when you start making it hard for others to find a place to focus on him, that's when that's when Jesus starts flipping tables over. Yeah. And that's kind of where I feel like we are. And that's what I want to say to the church is like, if if your political beliefs are allowing you to start marginalizing, like like the religious leaders in Jesus' day felt felt totally justified to marginalize and despise the Samaritans. That's why Jesus then told the parable of the Good Samaritan, because he wanted to take the people that they justified marginalizing and dividing over and say, hey, God actually likes those people a lot. That's really good. You should write a blog about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Oh, okay. I Maybe have. people will read it. So, uh, so your concern is um, is that people are missing the true heart of God for them because they're seeing it only through the filter of uh, an evangelical church today that is very interwoven with uh, with the political right. That's your concern. That's mine too, of yeah. course. I will add to that and say my concern, having served in uh, elected office and, and now today still working in the civic sector, being involved in community development, economic development, in a major region in California for the last 25 years, I can tell you right now, we do not solve many problems because we take solutions off the table, we take conversations off the table, we take tools off the table, depending on whatever aisle you're, side of the aisle you're on, um, because of this force field, this like plexiglass, I cannot, I cannot cross over ideologically or even relationally to think about any merit-based solutions that the other team may be offering. Um, you are like the second you suggest that, well, yeah, that's actually, let's take a look at it. Let's evaluate, make, see if it makes sense. And it's something from the other side of the aisle. Um, you're accused of all sorts of nasty things, up to and including, in my case, on one occasion, thankfully only one, receiving death threats over mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so because we are, ideology has become a religion. We there, worship it, yeah. right? And... Um, so when I think about what we're leaving for our kids, you know, to be kind of campy about it, like our 20-year-old and our um, almost 16-year-old, like what, what will things be like 25 and 50 and 100 years from now because of the civic and political dynamic? And, it's, and religion is at the root of it. Mm -hmm. And it's really, frankly, uh, to be equally, um, I don't know, chastising of both sides. It's, it's on both sides of the aisle, but... I think from our perspective, seeing it on the right and seeing it Let's done in the name of God. Let's fix our house first before we start right? telling the other side. Exactly. That's right. And I think um, people who listen to this may think that we're actually partisan towards the left. And yeah. I think it's more that we're just like, no, no, we're, we're trying to clean up our own camp. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I think we're unaware of the damage that we're doing. And, and I think our 20-somethings and, and beyond are saying, um, our grandparents and our parents' religion and politics is not working for us, and they're walking away from it. And then the older generations are saying, look at these kids. Yeah. And I'm trying to say, no, let's listen to what these kids are trying to say. And, and what, are we, what are we modeling for them? What do we want to leave for them? So let's close with this, because we wanted to be a little bit shorter with this yeah. one. But um... I do think we want to say that if people want to hear these conversations, we're going to have these on an ongoing basis, and they can sign up for our Patreon community, help support us financially if they think the message is important, and 
to do this um, in that community. We'll have these conversations, you and me, quite a bit, yeah. kind of sharing our journey. I'm just imagining like thousands of people being right in our little home office podcast <laughs> studio. Like not everybody fits, but but uh, thanks to the internet, yeah. <laughs> we can get a lot of people crowded around this conversation. And, um, you know, our heart is just to um, really shine the light on what's going on. You know, we, we want to see God's heart manifest in our communities today yep. uh, and see solutions come about. We want people to interact with um, the real and authentic God. So let's let's close with this. Um, I love, I love, love, love the way you remind people that this whole religion and politics thing that we're experiencing in 2019, this isn't a new thing. Right. In fact, it was the very dynamic and the very culture of Jesus' day. So talk a little bit about the way Jesus dropped into the political religious conversations of his day. Yeah, I think if you look at why, I, you know, I always looked at Jesus, why were you so mean to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders in the Bible? And I think if you view what their mindset was, they felt like a Messiah was going to come, he was going to be a governmental conqueror, and he was going to overthrow the Roman government, he was going to overturn the government of the day, and and the Pharisees even said, he'll, he'll restore our country. They, they had an idea that the Messiah was going to come and make Israel great again, and that that was God's purpose. And to make the Messiah appear, they needed to, to codify biblical law and make it illegal and really shameful to not follow biblical rules. And so I look at what the church wants to do today. We think God wants to restore our country and make it the greatest military and economic power in the world like it was in some bygone era. And so we're trying to impose laws to, to create an environment where that can happen again. And we're willing to, we're looking for that, that strong man savior to come and be that guy for us. And I think Jesus would say, hmm, I'm not sure I'm on board with that. And I'm very sure that God's not on board with that. And, and so I, I just want people to stop and say, wow, is my mindset a little bit like those religious guys in the Bible? And allow that to start to penetrate our hearts a little bit and think, if what I'm doing politically as a Christian is injuring my ability to share the story of God and his relationship in the Bible with the world, is it worth it? Or would that be something God would have me sacrifice and lay down and start to rethink? Because it's not even where he's at. Right. I mean, I, I, so I, thank you for, for giving people that because um, I would encourage people to consider that just assume for a minute that Jesus' day, the, the days that he walked on the earth, like were exactly like today's time, mm -hmm. okay? Then go read the Gospels with that in mind. Read it like you're reading the front page of today's newspaper, although we don't have newspapers anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 read the book of John and imagine that Jesus, when he goes to the town square, when he, you know, the fights he's picking, he is picking with power. He is the biggest... Um, threat to political and religious power of his day. Only back then, it wasn't just a matter of, you know, being uh, chastised on social media, but like you literally could get put to death. And ultimately, yeah. he, he did, of course. Um, but read it in that, read it through that lens, and then consider who, who this Jesus is. And um, who does he rep? What God does he represent? And it'll spin you like a top. Yeah. And I think that's one of the like best things 
hanging out with you now for 25 years <laughs> is just being able to like see the Bible through that lens and just how fresh it is for today. Um, and then if I could be so bold, I would encourage them to read Joseph Comes to Town, which is my, <laughs> exactly. my book, which is my view <laughs> yes. of what Jesus would say to today's church. Yeah. And you can get it on Amazon or go to my website is npepodcast.com, the nonpartisan evangelical npepodcast.com. You can find out how to buy my book, how to partner with us, all the things, get on our email list. And what I love about Joseph Comes to Town yeah. is that the story actually picks up real world vignettes, all obviously, you know, amalgamations of characters and like, you know, th- like it's it's a creative reinterpretation of things that we've actually experienced mm. in Fresno, California, a city of 550,000 people, um, a place that is growing in its national spotlight because of the disparity, but also the optimism and the willingness to try to go after like deep rooted mindsets and like really turn the tables. Um, so these are things we've walked through. So yeah. when you read this book, you're like, getting a little glimpse of many of the things that we've walked through here in a real world semi-autobiographical place. yes exactly <laughs> so but but not autobiographical so they they are stories um so i have people try to say was that this person or that person and i'm like nah they weren't they weren't but I think or were they i think it's a <laughs> shall i shall i uh, <laughs> keep the uh, suspicion going I think try it's to a, find yourself in this i think book. it's a good a good view of what jesus would say to us today Agreed. Right. Is that it? Agreed. Let's wrap. Okay. So again, npepodcast.com. Sign up for our insiders list. We'll keep you updated and partner with us on our Patreon page so we can build this community and get this message out to the world. All right, Ashley, thanks for interviewing me. You know, thanks You're for good at it. thanks for letting me interview you and then do half the talking. <laughs> That's probably a good uh, depiction of our relationship. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, that's it for this version of the Paul and Ashley podcast on the nonpartisan evangelical. Did we not have enough clear?